This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We are closing out the week. And it couldn't come at a better time. <laughs> Hi, Nick. Justin Bourne. Derek Brandeo. Jen Rolnick. Frank the Tank. And yours truly. <laughs> Episode 24, Season 2. Does that mean anything? I just like saying it. I just kind of feel like we should have kept counting from the original show number. I, I can do some math. You know, be the... Uh, was it the basketball Jones guys or I was like, show 1,000? We'd probably be in like the 225, 230 Yeah, we, hit, we were at 200 we're shows last year. We're close, yeah. yeah. A ton to get into. Of course, end of the week, sometimes refer to this as off the rails Friday because <laughs> it usually can fall off the rails. A lot to do with Doug McLean, who's going to join us about in about 40 minutes, get his outrageous thoughts. We got uh, Shane Malloy too in the second hour. Shane has done an unbelievable job when it comes to pro- uh, pro- uh, prospects. Easy for me to say. I you're saying like, if you're prospect podcasting, it's broadcasting. <laughs> yes. So I thought you had that. Thank you. He's uh, done some work with the NHL uh, network. Uh, Want to get into him and just maybe find out through his eyes where, say, the Toronto Maple Leafs are with with their prospects. And now... Here we are at the end of the week, and it doesn't appear that Nick Robertson is in the lineup Saturday night, which I'd like to ask Shane in the second hour. It's like, you know, you've you've covered prospects for years now. Where is his true value here? Mm-hmm. If he's not playing, does this lean towards the Leafs maybe trading him a lot more today than it did two weeks ago? And if so... Where would other teams look at uh, his value and and what could it bring in? Could Nick Robertson alone bring in another defenseman? Mm-hmm. If so, how how high that value could be? Well, there's two games this weekend. They play Saturday and Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Boston, I'm certain, Carolina. I'm certain he will play Sunday, like dead certain. Um, if he doesn't play either game, Kipper, the scenario you're talking about may come Without their own choosing, he may come to them and say, all right, I've seen enough here. Like, if I'm not going to get a chance, we don't even have a good, you know, deep group at this point, and I can't, you guys don't want me in, so I don't want to be here. Uh, Someone else, I think, is doing that right now in the Leafs, is he not? Abe Kubel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This guy, he was available for trades. He's now been waived by available for trades. I'm sure he made himself available for trades because they weren't playing him. We got a ton we're going to get into, and I don't know if two hours is going to be enough. Uh, we are we we got to get through the Leafs lineup. We got to get yep. through the fact that uh, this will be one of the biggest tests in probably Sheldon, Kyle, and and this group of players uh, that we've ever seen before outside of a game seven in the first round. Is this that stretch fair to of say? hockey. Do you think this game matters? This think, weekend. I just think Saturday, Sunday. How general. about just this weekend, JB? Yeah. The toughest, most challenging stretch for this core group. Mm-hmm. Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and Sheldon Keefe outside of a game seven. I just, there's no way to argue that point. It's a great point. Uh, looking quickly at the fancy chart in front of me, the Bruins and, and Hurricanes are two of the better defensive teams in the NHL. 
like the Leafs haven't scored and they're going to have to earn their offense this weekend. They're going to have to be the best version of themselves to have a chance. Okay. Um, again, I, I don't know. I mean, this is where like I'm the complete amateur host here on what direction do we go? Mm. Uh, the Boston Bruins come in huge win against the Rangers last night. You like the game. I like the game for a lot of reasons. I'm liking the Boston Bruins for a lot of reason. 10 and one to start, but the biggest news this weekend or going into this weekend may not be uh, their record. It may be the fact that uh, the Boston Bruins today announced a signing of Mitchell Miller, who was denounced by the Coyotes uh, in 2020, I believe, after they drafted him for acts of abuse and racism when he was 14 years old. The Boston Bruins signed him to a, a an entry contract. Um that uh, will give him seven seventy five, I think, for three years, including a, a signing bonus that would run roughly two twenty five over three years. Uh, a lot of people shocked. Mm -hmm. uh, Sammy, you probably have watched uh, social media closer than all of us here. Uh, the response, obviously, not favorable to the Boston Bruins. Yeah, I wouldn't say this is going over well with the social media. Uh, world and to be honest i'd probably throw myself into this ring in terms of you know i'm not mr uh you know gonna deny people a second chance but when you read the story and you read the the acts like this is a, there's second chances for like i mean this guy didn't you know dine and dash at olive garden when he was a kid here like well it's, said yeah it's it's a different kind of second chance and it takes a lot of coming back from in terms of rehabilitation and going it doesn't seem like he's done any of it so i don't know are we Just doing this now I see yeah, that we are. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's okay. for sure. Um, shall I? Yeah, you, know, I you know, you uh, know, I'm uh, I'm with you, Sammy. That I think the easy, not the easy thing, but I know that there's going to be, and maybe this is something we're going to hear from Kipper in a second. You're going to hear things about doesn't the kid deserve a second chance or whatever? Well, there's a certain amount of steps you have to take to earn a second chance. You know, one of those things is being is genuine contrition, which by all accounts has not really been seen. He's said the things he's had to say, and it sounds like the Bruins leaned on him to reach out to, um, you know, the victim and apologize. And, you know, the mother is saying that he apologized in Instagram DMs and said, this has nothing to do with hockey. It's like, I don't, it doesn't feel like he's done enough. But then there's the other factor here of the Boston Bruins. And when you're, you know, when you're going to give someone a second chance, let's say everyone decides at event, at some point you can't just, Tell the kid he can never play hockey again. I don't know. No, hold on for a second. Because I get the sense of Sammy saying that uh, if he doesn't deserve a second chance today, Sammy, you, you don't ever see him getting a second chance for what he said. Like, is there is there a so, time restriction here? Or is this really black and white here where it's like, no, what you said was so despicable that you can never play again here. Which one is it, Sammy? To me, he's gone. If I'm the czar sports guy, he's never playing. And again. that's that's where we are right here, JB. Is that he? he there's no time limit on this one here. He well, he doesn't want him back. Would there be an amount of and, contrition for you that would? And he would be. He would represent probably. I don't know. Whatever the percentages is out there that are screaming right now. Uh, you know. Shame on you, Boston Bruins, for doing this. These are the people that say that he should never come back. Okay. Well, you know, put me in the camp of 
he should get to come back after X, Y, and Z conditions are met. I am in that camp. Um, the other thing is, and, and I think this is an important distinction here, Kipper. If if he's going to come back, it, let's say everyone in the league agrees that there is a level of, all right, he can come back if he does these things. You know, we put up with a lot in hockey teams of of people being imperfect but because they're good players. We say, yeah, this guy does this, that, the other thing, but he scores a lot of goals, so we're going to keep him. There's a certain level where if you're really awesome at hockey, you can kind of do worse things and teams will still have you. It doesn't mean that the team that picks those players up shouldn't be judged for picking up the people. The Bruins have said, we care the least about character and off-ice stuff as long as you can really play. So, I'm, yeah, maybe you should come back in the league, but that doesn't mean the Bruins should be absolved from criticisms of saying, you obviously care the least about yeah, this. Yeah, which is fine. And there's a history of that throughout our league where there is criticism and I go back as far as you want. I mean, we've got a number of examples over the course of our history. How many teammates did you have that you're right? like, this guy kind of sucks. But where man, it's, yeah, there, there's some, there's some shadiness there, but this is really coming down to what you said. And are you a believer of second chances? And where is that line on, on second chances? And mm -hmm. So you're, you're telling me there's a bit of a checklist, which I, I'm, I'm certainly not privileged to know behind the scenes what has been said and what's been done and who's been reached and how they've been reached. Yeah. But, you know, if that, if that process has started and we don't know about it mm -hmm. and now the Boston Bruins are comfortable enough to, to move forward on this, then I'm leaning towards more with you than I am with Sam and saying that, uh, this guy will never get a chance ever again. And yeah. I, it's, there's no defending what was said when and, he was 14 done. years and old done. and done in it wasn't grade just what was eight. Said. And yeah. he, you know, and it was a, like a long history even before that of him doing it to this kid. So it, it's impossible to look at what he did. And this is just my opinion, yeah. but Hey, I'm an opinion Mons. guy for a living to look at what he did and, and not come away with the conclusion that there's something off at the guy's core. Yes, exactly. As a 14-year-old. Yep. But I Yeah, mean, I wouldn't do that at a 14-year-old. Yeah. Not even close. I, right. was, I was an absolute idiot, but I wasn't a monster. There's a difference between what he did versus what, like, a lot of idiots do at 14. You know, I don't... But and definitely, so there's some but, element but, but, of he was we, 14 that matters we, here. And we the also have people that have done even worse things than that and have been able to somehow find a way to get back in and rehabilitate yes, themselves. Sure. And, and uh, you know, e even if you're incarcerated, even if you yep. go to prison, and he deserves people have that actually too. come back. And we don't, we don't always just kick people to the curb no matter what. No. That's not the way we've worked in society. And he deserves that too. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that it's not justified to criticize Boston for being the team. And they, and, go, and, okay, but he's good. And, and, and they'll take their, they're taking their hits today and they're taking their hits probably next week. But again, if you, if we follow certain people that we've had in our game, it eventually kind of dies down and people are getting, people move on. And like, if we even recently go to uh, a few examples and, a Patrick I, Kane was I, persona I, non grata once upon a time. Evander Kane. Thank you. And I'm not here to uh, debate what is worse 
I'm just here to to talk about where the the line is before you get a, a chance to kind of clean up yep. uh, a bit of a checkered past. Yep. That's and what I'm here for. Listen, and- so I'm not here to say that uh, uh, Logan Melu, um, yeah. what he did wasn't as bad as this, or it was worse, or uh, that's not what this conversation's all no, about. No, I get your point. But Logan Melu, uh, a month ago, signed a entry-level contract with Montreal Canadiens, and he will play for the Montreal Canadiens. Now, if we go back to when this whole thing broke out with Logan... There are people saying that it was horrible of the Montreal Canadiens to pick him up, and it, it's horrible that they even would ever th- contemplate having him in the lineup. He will play for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and those and, people and, can still be right. But that, yeah, that's the whole thing. They that's will. The whole, that's the whole thing. They will, but it'll move on. Yep. It, most of it moves sure. on. So, yeah, and that's so, why the criticism is valid. And it's you like, mentioned Patrick Kane. Yeah. Okay, checkered past. But how is he revered now? But this, the point you're making is that the Blackhawks and all those, they're getting enough good hockey out of the players to justify going, oh, we know this is bad, but. Oh, no, they're getting enough. Have with Tony D'Angelo They're getting in, in enough support. Carolina. They, they've gotten enough support from people to say that they've moved on, Justin. If they're better people and they've put in the work and they genuinely wanted to change and, and all the, those things, certainly everyone deserves that opportunity. We, we cover a team here in Toronto where Sheldon Keefe is the first one to talk publicly about his checkered past and the, uh, the regrets that he's had, how he's acted, how he conducted himself early. Right. Where where would he be today if if there was no if there was no one to believe that he could turn sure. his life around? Yeah, but the flip of this is happening right now in the NBA. Kyrie Irving said some anti-Semitic stuff, and everyone was like, "Hey, you shouldn't have said that." You know, will you apologize? And he's like, "Yeah, um, you know, I said what I said, more or less." And he hasn't apologized, and because of that. You know, I understand for Kyrie, it's a 600th chance, but now he's facing fines, suspensions. Now the heat's turned up because there is some onus on the people to make the improvement first, to want to improve. There's not just like you don't stab a guy in the alley and the next day say, what, I don't get his chance to turn around? Like, you know, there is a time frame. So to your point to Sammy, what is that time frame? The Bruins are the most willing to say, I, I'm, I'm, to first yeah. go, oh, we'll and, take him. And it obviously doesn't, I mean, what I'm saying here clearly has no impact on anything because the, what Bruins, are we now? the Bruins just gave him over a million dollars and gave him ton, like for gave him a solid career here yeah. after he's but shown no How remorse. long has it been? A year and a half since they drafted him? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Since you drafted in 20, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I just don't, so here's one of the things. I think we've surrounded this. Well, Sweeney says, uh, this is from the press conference today. I couldn't dig up the audio in time for our show, but he said that, the Bruins players and uh, at least the leadership group were made aware that they were planning to sign Miller. And he acknowledges that some of them just asked, why? Mm-hmm. And to me... That's a legitimate question. Of course why? it is. It, yeah. That's a very legitimate question. You know, it, it, it's, why? Because yeah. we think he's... It's just, he's heading in the right direction. It's no different than the Montreal Canadiens. People asked why on, on, on Logan and... Uh, Ken Hughes says we've seen enough positive change. 
How about that? Yeah. But the thing is, he, he ha- like, the and mother of the person's being bullied, speaking out. Like, it's, it's I, not, it's not social yeah. media's decision to be made. No. Okay, I understand that as well. Let's clear that up. But uh, you yeah. have, you have a, you, your rights to respond to it. Your rights to support it or don't support it. Mm-hmm. Your right is to stop buying tickets to the game. Mm-hmm. But your right isn't to make that decision. That falls on the Montreal Canadiens. That falls on the Boston Bruins. Right. Yeah. But, but with two, a collective two wrongs, opinion. Two wrongs don't make a right is a classic saying. It's just because the Habs got away with it right. doesn't mean you think that you should get away with but it. But also, if enough of these people have a collective opinion that, hey, you know, we're not okay with this, it does lean, you know, the, the fans in the end will make the say. If they yeah. do collectively say we're not okay with this, it's not going to happen. It's Boston. <laughs> but hey, tomorrow, if if no one goes to the games. Yeah. They'd be like, they, oh, they, they get, know, rid of get rid of them. Exactly. So that's it. it is, you know, there is some value in that court of public opinion. How do we all feel about this? Collectively, everyone feels pretty bad. I don't about it or think that it's wrong, but you're right. Bruins fans are not going to revolt over it, which is why I think the Bruins are able to say, if we can just get past this initial stuff. You're 10 and one. You're 10 and one. You're 10 and one. You're the best team in the league. You're the talk of the league. You're coming to Toronto. The turning point. You're coming to Toronto to play the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night in Hockey Night in Canada. That is wild. Why the hell did you do this right now? Do it Sunday. And the question I ask, the question I ask. I'll tell you why. There's other people that probably want to sign them. Because. There's other teams probably. Well, there is 100% that there were others out there willing to now sign him. So I think you answered your question. Everything was going great. Why, why did you, why now? Why now? Because you may lose him to another club. That's why. And ultimately you think that this guy can play and he can help you win a Stanley cup. Well, part of this then is that's what it's come down to. But we still want to pick and choose where we want to go and how hard we want to go. Let's not forget here, their head coach at 10 and 1, Jim Montgomery, another guy with a checkered past. And, you know, the one thing for us being in, a, in an inner circle kind of position here is we probably hear more stuff than you'll ever know about. Mm-hmm. But no one's screaming at the Boston Bruins when they signed Jim Montgomery. Like, what are you doing? Did you not follow that story in Dallas? And it's forgotten. No one at 10 and 1 now is saying, is Jim Montgomery ready for this? Yeah. Did you not pay attention? I don't want to argue about what's worse and what's different. I'm not doing that. What I'm telling you is just things go away. Not a a peep. Right. So Not a peep on Jim Montgomery. Things go away is what the team is banking on. But as long as you're not seemingly upset about the criticism of the Bruins for signing a guy... Because they're the team willing to say, we don't care that he was racist, that he, you know, rubbed a lollipop pop in a urinal and made a developmentally disabled kid lick it. Like, we're not, as long as we're okay with the criticism of the Bruins here, I'm okay with this guy being worthy of a second chance at some point, and that's on him to prove it. And that's that, that in itself will be the gamble. Yeah. For sure. Yep. And it's... I can't believe it's Saturday Night Hockey Night in Canada. <laughs> it's coming here, baby. The, the sideshow is coming here. I just, yeah. if, I'm, if I'm a Bruins player, and like I said, they acknowledged it. If I'm Brad Marsh, like, they're coming here. 
how many times they're not going to knock it ass. They're going to have to deal with the questions of it. You're going to have to, like, these guys are going to go up to the podium. They're going to have to talk it's about it. It's almost like Everyone's take all the fire at once, though, and if you get out of here with it, you're going to be okay. I guess. Like, just... Brad, uh, Patrice Bergeron does a sit-down with Elliot uh, for 32 Thoughts. You'll see it on Hockey Night in Canada, and he is asked about Miller, and I believe he does have some concerns about it. So you'll hear Bergeron talk about this tomorrow night. Which is great because it brings it to the surface. I'm sure they'll meet. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll come to an understanding that you got to earn our trust. And if you can, everything's fine. And if you don't, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, and but Patrice Bergeron would be uh, one of the few players in the league that could actually say that to him and, and know that... Uh, They'd have his back. The organization would. For sure. Yeah. It's not pretty. Put not some heat on boys. the players, too, to, like, you know, you don't want to, like, disappoint. Not You don't want to look like you're going over Sweeney or whoever made the decision by saying you're not okay with it, right? That's still your boss, and you're still mm-hmm. part of the organization, so you want to support their decisions, but at the same time, you don't want to seem like you approve this, so tough spot for a lot of people there. Yeah. All right. With the victims very, doing okay very, through we all be, this. Very, very easy up. to avoid it all yeah. by just taking your 10 and one road show and not having them. Anyways. The Leafs, the Le- yeah, we're on. Okay, the Leafs practiced uh, today. We saw the lines, which kind of an eye-opener that Engvall will center the third line with Yarncroc on the left and Simmons <laughs> on. on the right. So I've not been here. My, there's a strike in Toronto. My kids are home. I, You're, Eng- you pulled a bobcat today. Showed up Just like showed up. Engvall's playing center, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Simmons, third line right winger. Robertson can't get in. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Very interesting. <laughs> um, Just play the kid. Why don't we start our Kipper's Clipper on Sheldon and Simmons back in the lineup, and we'll work around that third line. Well, the wing coming in, obviously, you know, we've we've put him in the lineup here and there, you know, throughout. Is just. You know, it gives us more experience, gives us a, a different presence uh, and energy in the lineup. Uh, I liked Holmberg's game the other night uh, for his first game, but you know, I think Wayne gives us a, a different dimension that can uh, can help us going into the game tomorrow. Um, in terms of that line, you know, it's it's a bit of a, a mixed bag in the sense of guys that haven't necessarily played together, and Pierre's playing in the middle and hasn't he hasn't worked through that this season. But I, I think he's a good and effective center when he has played there for us over over time. Uh, I suspect. Uh, you know our lines will be juggled. You know throughout the game, we'll mix things up a little bit. But you know, you know Wayne's an important guy, and, and like I said, sort of changes the dynamic of our group a little bit when he comes in. Okay, outside of Matthews and Marner, Tavares and Nylander, man, this is this is a blender. <laughs> I you know Engvall did he play center against Columbus in the playoffs? Like they, I remember them having having him at center before. So Simmons, the th- Simmons thing to me is directly related to the Matthews thing that happened at the end of last game. All the conversation about you can bully Matthews, you can push him around, 100%. he won't fight back. And the Marchand Bruins. and the Bruins are coming in. All of a sudden, Simmons is not just in, but on the third line, so he's going to be out there with some consistency. How'd I do? It was good. <laughs> Who's, what was that character's name in Pulp Fiction who just came in and just cleaned up the mess? Oh, the wolf. The wolf. The wolf. <laughs> is that going to be That's Wayne Simmons? Simmons. He's coming he's, in. He's Harvey Keitel. <laughs> he's the wolf. He's I the wolf. That. He just 
sits there and waits for a call from Kyle and we need to clean up. We need to, we need to clean up off the uh, Matthews incident on uh, Thursday. Uh, all right, I'll be over in five minutes. Yarncroc, Engvall, and Simmons. Winston I, the Wolf. Winston, uh, Winston the Wolf. Wolf was his name in in uh, the Pulp Wolf with the last name <laughs> Wolf. Yeah. I love it. So his, his nickname is actually just the. the. <laughs> what a great movie! Oh God. So if you beat Boston and you lose a back to back. With an earlier start, if I'm not mistaken, is Carolina 5 p.m. on 5. Sunday? Yep. Really throws a wrench into Sunday football, you know? Stop gotta, it. I got I to gotta turn off the red zone now and put but the Leafs on? Not, the no cred zone? Not, <laughs> not to get of our, uh, ahead of ourselves past Saturday night, but it, it it is a bit of a package deal this weekend. Would you not think in terms of what kind of continued response you want from the team coming off uh, a game where, you know, there there was a lot of positives, including Tavares probably being the best one, mm-hmm. you know, stepping up to the plate and showing that he can lead the charge here. I mean, where are we on on just Saturday night compared to a, a late Sunday afternoon? I think they better get Saturday to me. Because you're going in. Are we going Shalgren on Sunday, we think? Yeah, that's confirmed. It is confirmed. Yeah, uh, Koshan asked. Uh, Shalgren so far has played Arizona, San Jose, uh, Philly. No, no. no. Uh, Three dogs, right? Anaheim. 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 Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona. Now he's going to get the Carolina Hurricanes. So to me, Boston is your kitchen sink evening where you're throwing everything at them because you got to get that game because you're not going to... It's a Babs theory, right? Yeah. That was his. He used to play the starter in the first half and yeah. really go in for it. But travel, going into Carolina, one of the best teams in the league with Shulgren in that. Boston is a very, very important game, I think. Okay, we've got Sheldon on the Leafs responding. Do we want to hear no, that? Yeah, no, no. We I want, want, I want to hear the bus. I want to hear Sheldon on the next three games. Okay. Because it kind of leads into my theory of Boston, Carolina, but he's obviously got Vegas now on the horizon as well. Let's have a listen. I don't size up three games. I size up one game with the Boston Bruins. That's the first thing. So we got to focus on that. Obviously, it's a team that's rolling right now. They've been a great team in the league for many, many years and are off to a great start. Obviously, I've got abundance of confidence. So it's a great challenge, yet, uh, you know, a terrific opportunity for us as well. You know, we've, uh, we're coming off of a, a good win here. We're feeling much better about our game coming out of that one, but we know we're going to be challenged uh, to another level. And we're looking to get to another level as a team. So I think it's a great opportunity and we will be ready for it. Okay, so good on him, focusing on Boston. But friendly reminder, between Boston, Carolina, and Vegas, they've lost all but, what, five games? What's the record, Sammy? Yeah, I can dig it up here. I sent it to you guys. 27-5-1, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. That's... that's <laughs> 27, 5, and 1. Oh, my God. Okay, you got to start somewhere. With losing for these teams? I guess. Yes, for them and winning, continued winning for the Leafs here. You know, it's what they need. Let's be real. Like this, they need a game to get up for, a contest. They've been home on on Wednesday. Saturday night, boys, has to feel like... Game one of a Stanley Cup playoff. I think if it's they gonna... are not shot out of a cannon 
Saturday night. There, 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 there won't be. This has to be it. Mm-hmm. I agree that how they come out in the first period, I'm not going to put it on the first three minutes or anything, but how, how that first period goes is going to be, tell us a big story about the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they have at their or, best. Or where their range is right now. Yeah, who can they hang with? Because we haven't seen, and I include even against the, the Flyers, ever seeing them hit uh, a pace of play or a range yeah. that we, we saw say this time last year, they were in their stretch, by the way, they were very well into their stretch of 15 and two this time last year. Mm -hmm. And they were, they were lights out. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. The range is a really good point. Like we keep saying like, Oh, they don't get up against the bad teams. They don't get it. Well, can they get up end of sentence? Like what is up? What is their ceiling? What does the top end look like? They've been home. They've had days off. They've had practice days. They have no excuses. Lilligren's back. The lily pad. The lily pad's in. The savior has arrived. Thank goodness. You know what? It's amazing. Goodness amazing say, I was just how much say, better the decor looks. I know. With Lilligren in. Brody Hall. Just a right hand. Riley Lilligren. Giordano Sandine. God, that's so much better. All right, let's, let's listen to Sheldon talk about uh, what he expects from the lily pad. <laughs> Well, I'm just hoping for, for Lily just to go out there and be himself. And he was in a real nice groove for us through the tail end of the regular season last year and uh, really become an important member of our team, both at 5-on-5 five five and the penalty kill. So it's been tough not having him through camp and through the early growing of the season. But I just want him to go out and be himself and uh, you know adjust to, to the league again. You know He's got in some, some really good games. I thought... Watching the games back, he did a really nice job in his time with the Marlies, but uh, he's coming back into the NHL and just so happens to be you know, against a, a very tough opponent. So you know, we want to make sure that he's, he gets himself comfortable and just does his thing rather than coming out and feeling like he, you know, he needs, to go, you know, needs to do everything all in one shift. It's, there's a lot of hockey ahead here, so just go up and do your thing. Poor guy. He's got to come back and see a 10-1 Boston Bruin team. Give me Arizona. Yeah. Give well, me... Keeper's like, we, we, we want to make sure that he gets comfortable. He puts him on a pair with Riley. Top pair. How often is Riley going over the boards? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every other shift. Here, get comfortable. <laughs> Pasternak, Bergeron, <laughs> and Marchand coming down your throat. Yeah. That's, that's your first shift against the best line the, in hockey. Yeah, maybe you get out there on the second line, you get Hall and Krejci. Great. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, I don't even know how you protect him, though. Well, you know what's silly is they could have played him with Gio, who he played with at his best last year for a long stretch. Geo Lilly was great. Wait, why aren't they doing that? Yeah. Riley Brody, then you yeah. got uh, Hall Sandy. Because you, know, you got to get Riley no. going. That's why. Think so? Yes. He's not played. Yeah, he's been with. He's not part, played. He's been with overall. He has not Mette had a, 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 a. He hasn't had a good start. He's trying too much. He's. Yeah. He's getting caught. He's. He's got to settle down too. Lilligren can maybe help help him with that. Yeah, I know Riley from on the defensive side of the pocket has not been a wonderful start of the season. Uh, just looking at his defensive numbers, yeah, really, really bad, really bad. Yeah, when he's on the ice, the uh, the opponents have very high expected goals to average. Yeah, not good. So let's play the Keith clip about responding because it it goes into our conversation about them getting up for games. And he mentioned talking, referring to it about last year. So do you want to hear that clip? We do. All right. Well, I think that's one of the things that's given me confidence. 
all the way through, you know, the start of this season and certainly through last season, anytime, you know, where we had some hiccups along the way is that when push came to shove in the regular season, we, we responded very well as a team. So I'm expecting a great effort from our team. You know, uh, expect Boston's going to give us, you know, a, a lot to handle uh, with how they're performing right now. But uh, we, we believe in our team, so I'm excited about an opportunity for us to go against you know, what's been the top team in the NHL so far here. What are you hoping? He can only hope. To me, him saying all that doesn't seem like he's just, like you said, he's just hoping a prayer. He's like, we responded last year, so yeah. hope to God that's the same thing that we do this year. Well, we did see it so often last year. And so the team didn't have much turn- turnover, right? It's Mikheyev and Kasha out. Yeah. So, you know, unless unless you believe, I mean, maybe they're a little bit worse than that since we've seen the new guys come in. We're not overly they impressed. probably miss Mikheyev more than they th- I, I, thought. I agree. PK and just sheer speed. Pace. Like Someone da- to put people pace, on their heels. Dangerous speed. Engvall seems to skate really well, but not... Very controlled. And not in a dangerous, put people on their heels. No. McKayev. He challenged in a lot. McKayev did that. Yeah, he's always trying to, McKayev was trying to get goals to get that next contract, and he pushed in a lot more. I think that was the thought with Yarncroft. That, that, they were gonna get, that? that they were going to get cheaper value at something like that. Like, yeah. Because he's pretty fast. Good you know skater, what, though? They keep th- trying to get cheaper value at, at guys, and it's not There's a, been that. Kerfoot know, has not been cheaper cadre in terms of points. So or, here's the thing about money. When you spend more of it on a player, they're usually a little better. So <laughs> if, you want to, if you want any more hot tips. Yeah, you just, thank you. Yeah, give me a call. Yeah, only so many dollar store versions of guys you can get before your dollar store, store team. Should we talk about... Kubel getting waived? Because we kind of touched on that, but we didn't really... Surprised yes. it happened so quickly? Yeah. Y- yes. Because I would have gone Malgin first. Mm-hmm. In terms of waived? Or, yes. Or Aston Reese. Over Kubel? I, you and I are fighting about I, Aston Reese so far this Aston year. Aston Reese. I couldn't get a team to give him a contract. 32 teams. He came on a PTO. Yeah, we do not agree. <laughs> like he's a PTO. Yeah, but he's really high on a lot of charts for <laughs> defensive stuff. Sure, sure. Just a chart. Enough man. to for thirty-one other teams not to give him what a PTO or yeah. or no, no. He probably had a few, and he picked Toronto. He said, "Yeah, I can play in that bottom but six. Listen, maybe he's fine. I don't know. But the other guy at least won a cup. He dropped it, mind you, but." <laughs> Yeah, he. The other guy was also waived and claimed by Colorado that same year. He was another guy the Flyers didn't want, and Colorado said, "Yeah, we need someone. You know, if we get the best version of him, maybe he'll be so okay." So is this a, a a Steve Simmons wave where he'll be in the lineup by Tuesday? So Wayne Simmons? Well, okay. I mean, Wayne's Wayne's gone through the system twice. Oh, sorry, you said Steve Simmons. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, yeah. did I say I Steve like, Simmons? Yeah, I was oh, like, boy, it's not oh, in the lineup, it's, is he? It, it's Friday. It's officially off the rails now. Uh, Wayne Simmons, where yeah. you get waved a couple times, yet you're you're back in the lineup. I think they'd like that, but it's... I've, did we play the clip, or where did I hear Sheldon talking about Kubi? We've talked to Kubi a number of times this year. That we've was talked, earlier this week. Yeah, we've talked to him a lot. Like, it sounds like Kubi has been in his so, office a number of times, being so, like, 
This uh, is the hell. This this also speaks to Lilligreen coming on, and they got to drop a contract. Yeah, uh, fifty. Fifty's well, the max. Well, but Lilligreen is still on a contract of the fifty while he's on LTIR. That would still count towards their fifty. I think. Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah, you may be right. Yeah, yeah, you may be right. But still, salary cap wise, maybe to get him in. Eh, no, no, not that either, because they got so much LTIR with Muslim. They are pressed, though. They are pressed. They, they are pressed, and maybe that has I mean, something to do with it. I just don't like with, the guy. Uh, so, but still, the the fourth line of, the, of having Mulgan still in there, like it seems silly to me that they're going to wait until these guys prove that it's not going to work. Kampf and Mulgan, there is no scenario where that is a line. One guy is a defensive specialist center, and the other guy is an offensive top end winger. Don't ever see them being on a line. So why are we playing them together until they prove it doesn't work? We're waiting for the bad game with them. Yeah. And in the, the heavyweight battle of production between Nick Nicholas Obel, Obey Kubel and Zach Aston Reese, uh, Zach Aston Reese has the edge with one. One point to nothing? One goal to nothing. Yeah. Uh, do we, do we want to get in this top clip here, which I feel like... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk about this. Yeah, this is great. Let's do it. I, I had a scout just tell me... Aston Reese is a much smarter player than Kubel. Smarter, okay. Yeah. Kubel. That makes sense. Yeah, fine. Yeah, it's very Dubisy, right? <laughs> I, I, I remember hearing uh, a conversation with Dubis where it was he said if you could have all the smartest players in the league on one team, all the fastest, all the most yes. skilled, all the biggest, toughest, which do you pick? Yeah, I mean, uh, the biggest, toughest. I'll kick the shit out of everybody yeah. else who's smart. And- Kyle picked the smartest players. <laughs> Give me the smartest players. I think I do too, but now I feel like, I don't know. I'll just, get my tough, nice group. I'll just get my tough guys to run you guys over. Yeah, we'll see how smart you are. <laughs> how, uh, are you smart enough to start running now? <laughs> that's that's okay. when you're really smart. Now that in. we're on face punching, do you want to do the top clip? Okay, and for the record here, a lot of people debating why we spent 20 minutes talking about Austin. Hey, what are we talking about? Yeah. 40. We about 45. 45. <laughs> 45. And of course, it's, it's like the Democrats and the Republicans, man. Yeah. You're, you're split down the middle and yeah. you're going to argue until you're blue in the face and solve nothing. But for the record, we're not bringing this back up. We didn't. No. Nope. Who, who's bringing this back up? Uh, Mitch Marner. Yeah, Mitch Marner, Marner is bringing this back up. Yeah, so we're just sitting here quietly. Let's have a listen. We didn't do it. Yeah, well, I mean, we just want to protect each other. And, um, I mean, I don't know. There's people saying some things. And, you know, I don't know why you would want Austin Matthews to fight people. You know, he's, he's obviously top goal scorer in the league at the moment and um you know you don't want him to hurt his wrist or do anything else and um so that was a great play by Gio and just really the whole five guys as a unit to go all in and um just protect one another you know like I said we don't we're not we're not a fighting team we're a team that goes in together and helps each other out and um you know I think uh that was a great response by our guys so we we, we hadn't heard that clip it's fun to hear clips live on the air he was asked about how happy were you to see Gio jump in there that was the question. Oh. So it wasn't even about Matthews fighting. So he brought it up unprompted. So somebody maybe saw a video sent to him by Mike Rupp yesterday or something. Or maybe they sent to Marseille. <laughs> but he uh, saw I something. Mean. You know what I thought we missed yesterday? We missed the opportunity to talk about how for the first 10 games of the year, we said no leadership on this team in terms of guys who will step up and guys who will 
you know, where's that pulse, that energy, that, you know, that something, that whatever. You know, John Tavares goes out and scores three. Geo tackles a guy. Like, these are the veteran guys you say, aren't aren't they your leaders? I, mean, I understand I we focused on the one guy. Things and- <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I won't argue that. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a start. Listen, but I had if, some thoughts yesterday if, about what we talked about. <laughs> if, if Geo jumps a Boston Bruin, and if Tavares can find a way to be that threatening against the Boston Bruins and you win the game, that goes to another level mm-hmm. than the Philadelphia Flyers. Of course. Of course. Yep. Okay. Sam, you said you have thoughts? Well, I just I got home and sat down on the couch. Did we overdo it? Had a bite to eat. I was like, God, we talked about that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really here's, do think we're the thermometer for Leafs Nation. That's our goal. Here, here's what are people talking too, about? Is so did everybody I else? I know, can't be. Not just it was an us. awesome convo. We I'm just didn't, saying, we didn't drive it. No, it was like we did, had the guy no, who did. We did the button did on we, the Tesla that auto drove. Did we once utter Barry Trotz's name on this show? Yeah. Oh, we did. <laughs> After Barry <laughs> uttered his own name. <laughs> Barry started it, uh, Barry. and Mike Rupp started it. Just so defensive up here, and no one's accused us of anything. <laughs> <laughs> we don't stir anything oh, up, man. God, we should go to break. We're hey. just we're just followers. <laughs> text. Hey, we're gonna do some texts. Yes, yes. Round four thirty. So what, what's the number? Five ninety five ninety. Text us. Let me know what you want to uh, have me read to and you guys on YouTube as well. YouTube uh, followers. Are they ask uh, questions in there? Are they tired? Is the chat going? Oh, the Jen? chat. The chat's always, oh, sorry, yeah, the chat's always going. All right, so we'll get a few uh, maybe comments or questions out of our YouTube channel. And we're also live on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify and give us a rating and review. We want to hear what exactly you think of Frank the Tank. Yep. That more after the break. Real Kipper and Bourne. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. CJCL Toronto. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Sneaky in a few. Halloween candies, yeah. thanks to my good buddy, Justin Bourne. Stealing my kids. All right. Via satellite, coming to you from Del Boca Vista Resort, Mr. Doug McLean. Where are you? Thank God I'm not in, fin- thank God I'm not in Finland. Having to watch that hockey game. Okay. Can you... Uh, Seriously. Can you- <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we doing in Finland in the regular season? Are they nuts? Like, really? Are they losing their marbles? Doug, we're, Crazy. we're, we're growing the game. <laughs> to the it's Finns? Like, it's, like the, it, it, it's, like, it's like when they asked me if I was excited about the outdoor game. I said... He, said he really left us hanging. That was the most dramatic. And, and then it depends. And then it depends what the food is in the suite. Okay, hold on, hold on. Stop. Then I would consider it. Stop moving. You're cutting in and out on us, and we missed the punchline. Are you there? Punchline. All right. We, I'm here. You got me. Yeah, we got you. 
You get a, you got to get in a good spot. You that, where are you on the balcony? No, I I, 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 no, I'm sitting in my chair in this in my viewing room here, and I, I just said, I mean, if I, I don't even want to go unless it's you know depending on what the food's being is being served, you know, <laughs> let alone important. Finland. Like, what are we selling in Finland? I don't know. And it, it's also like his, it, they don't even bother advertising. Like, you know, I, did you know this is happening, Kipper, like today? We have a daily hockey show, and I'm looking up, and I'm like, is that live? Is that, is, <laughs> is that going on here, and we don't know about it? Hey, like, I can't even get it on TV. I don't have the right package. I got, you know, whatever, Hulu, and I can't get it. I've looked everywhere, you know. Doug, did you see there's a professional pickleball league being started? Have you have you got any ownership stake in anything? My pickleball game has gone to another level, <laughs> and it's got to be a direct result. It's got to be a direct result of my yoga. I think it's really it, my drives. I'm over 200 yards on most drives now. Okay, and I'm, from pickleball my, to... my pickleball, and my pickleball is at another level because of my uh, – improved agility and it's got to be the yoga <laughs> hey can you get the leaves on yoga <laughs> they need hot yoga <laughs> how anyway. uh, listen 82 games in a regular season but where would you put this particular game saturday night amongst biggest of the season well, it's a great opportunity for the Leafs, in my opinion. I watched the Bruins dominate the Rangers last night to a large degree at particular points. The first and third period, in particular, uh, domination. Um, I, this is a great opportunity for the Leafs to get everybody off their back. This is a game that they've got to treat like it's the most important game of the season for, from a credibility point of view. From a coaching point of view, it's a great opportunity. It's a great motivator. It wouldn't surprise me they'll come out and play their tails off and put on a real good performance. But it's a great opportunity for them. There's no pressure. If they lose, it's the Boston Bruins. But if they win, it takes a lot of heat off the entire organization. This is a this is early in the season, but mm-hmm. it's one of those games that it really could be a, a great a great stepping stone. And that's how I would approach it if I was them. Mac, I really would. If, if they lose to the Boston Bruins, it's because it's the Boston Bruins and it, and it uh, the first t- ten, 10 games won't bleed back into uh, the issues? Oh, no, it will. It'll bleed back in. But if they win, if they, you know, if they lose in a hard-fought game, like, don't, I don't care about the Philadelphia Flyers. They're, they're on a high because torts this and torts that. He even gets to do a Christine Simpson interview. How big is, you know, seriously, that, <laughs> that, it's all about torts. So now, you know, beating them with a goalie that hasn't won a game in his career is a nothing win for me. Now this is the, this is the big win for them if they can, if they can muster up enough energy um, you know, and, and put on a performance after a really poor start to a regular season. I know they're 500 or whatever, but it's still a, 
a dreadful start to the season because of who they've lost to. This is a great opportunity for them I, I to think, take a step, in you my know, opinion. I totally agree it's a great opportunity, but I do feel like how they come out is going to be reflective of how they feel about their coach. Like, it's a great opportunity to show that you care and you're united, and this is a big game and you can still play against good teams. But if they don't feel that passionately about their coach, I don't know, maybe this is a game where they say, ah, well, it didn't quite work. Everyone loses to Boston. Like, do you think there's anything that bleeds into a team's play that shows how they feel about their coach? I think it does at certain points, but th- this shouldn't. This, th- the coach should be a non-factor in this game other than setting up the situation that this is a big game because this is the best team in the NHL and this is an opportunity for us to show. I don't think the coach should have any bearing on this. You know what, Justin, they, they don't spend 10 seconds a day worrying about the coach. No, all the fans do. And all the media do the players. Remember, uh, I was watching a video in, in Florida and I was leaning over Given telling Ray Shepard something in his ear, and I'm watching the video the next morning. Lindy Ruff calls me and said, Doug, have a look at this video. And it shows Shep on the bench and me leaning in his ear talking to him and Shep rolling his eyes while I was talking to him. <laughs> that's what that's what it is. Okay. That's what it really is of the truth. Though th- this this coach speak and this coach important. I mean, look, it's important. A bad coach can really hurt your team. By the way, did Boudreaux get a 600 win? He did. Oh, thank God for that. So that's <laughs> over. With. Okay. But anyway, I, I just, I just, look, I just think it's way overrated. And I, I just think this is an opportunity for Matthews and Marner and these guys to shut people up. That's what I think it is. And if they don't, if they if they play like they've played, they deserve all the heat they can take. Mac, a lot was made out of uh, the end of the game with the Philadelphia Flyers, with Travis Konechny and, and Austin Matthews. Uh, at some point, I'm sure it, it'd be impossible for something like that not to get back to Austin, including uh, Mike Rupp, a former NHLer with over 600 games in the National Hockey League doing a forensic study into what happened. If you're the coach, if you're Sheldon, would would that need to be addressed with Matthews? Not not whether or not you I'm not talking about whether he he should have done something or not done something, but just would would, would there be a conversation so he is in a good mental state of mind coming off of that? You leave him alone, you talk to him, what, how would you have handled Austin on, on a couple of days off after that incident? Well, I think back to when I had the odd fight in junior and, and John Wensick broke my nose in three places. <laughs> and I really didn't fight a lot after that. You know, a lot of people, most people haven't heard of John Wensick, but he, he, he punched me. Uh, up he was good. And tough. I yes. had a girl, Boston, I, had a girl I had a girl at the game and it was our first date. And I come out after, and I had my Triumph Spitfire there, and I had to ask her if she could drive me up to the Montreal General <laughs> Hospital and drop me off because I had to have surgery, and she could and she could have my car till I got out of the hospital. So anyway, it's a great uh, date story. Did it work out? Here's the Austin Matthews. No, here's the Austin <laughs> Matthews situation. 
here's the Austin. I'll tell you another funny story after, but about the same girl. But anyway, no, I don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. And I've said, I've said this to so many players in my career. When, when you're a top guy, I don't want you to fight. I'm sorry. I don't want you to fight. Sometimes you're going to do it at a temper. I don't want you to fight, but I'm going to tell you this. And I've told you this Kipper before you go into a scrum and if he's, if Konechny slashes you, you slash him back. If he cross-checks, you cross-check him back. And you go nose-to-nose with him, eyeballs-to-eyeballs with him. And you do not back down. You don't have to fight, but you don't turn your head, and you definitely don't smirk and smile when teammates are coming in battling for you. But you stay there. And if worst case, I always say give them the two words that it's very hard to answer back to. And you know what those two words are. And you always can come to that. You don't have to fight. But don't pull away. Don't turn your head eyeball to eyeball and cross-check and slash whatever it takes face-to-face. That's all I said. To, and I tell my son, he asked me about his prayers, and I watched videos of him. I said, that's what I think I know. I don't like guys turning away in scrums. Stand in there. That's my advice. I, it really is. And it's, I think it, you know, it makes it to me – you can't show that you're afraid. You can't show that you're above it, that you're, I'm not fighting, I'm a superstar. No, but you stand in there. That's my own, that's what I think about it. Do you think, think the way he handled it, he'll have to, he'll be challenged more because of it? Well, he's going to be challenged anyway, nonstop, because he's one of the best players in the game. And, you know, as I said, when we were playing in the Pittsburgh series in my team meeting before we started, I said to my team, I said, I want you guys to make Mario and Yager hate hockey by the end of this series. And guess what? They hated hockey by the end of the series. They really did. Yager and Lemieux hated playing hockey when we finished that seven-game series. So you, 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 your always objective is to make the other star players hate to play and make them really uncomfortable. Yeah, he's going to be challenged. Sure he will be. And, you know, I mean, the Bruins will challenge him. They'll challenge him. Not, I mean, they, most people know he's not going to fight, and I don't want him fighting. Don't get me wrong. I don't want him fighting. Uh, Lilligren comes into the lineup here, and we were just joking around off the top of the oh show. My it's God, like, who cares? No, who cares? but Mac. He's going to add a little bit of depth that they they've been sorely missing. What do you, how do you how do you coach a guy like that? What do you say to him coming in? And it's not Philly; it's the Boston Bruins. It's some of the best hockey players in the league, maybe three of them. Well, you know, you don't give them a lot other than just you know relax and and play your game. You haven't played in a long time. You know, this is a, a tough test, but. Just, just be patient with your game, and you know, let the game come to you to a degree. And you know, then as the as the game picks up, you'll find you'll feel more comfortable. You certainly don't put a lot of pressure on a on a young guy. And we, you know, he's a talent. He's a good player, but I mean, they got. I mean, he's the least of their problems, to be quite honest. Today, so anyway, who's closer to the most of their problems, and is it Justin Hall? Well, Justin Hall, it, to me, he's not their problem. No, I, 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 their problem is 
their goaltending is still, in my opinion, very average, and and that's with the kid playing pretty well. Okay, it's still yeah. average. Their defense is not good enough. Structure, it's not set up to be good enough. The blue line, and their forwards, their bottom six aren't good enough. I mean, there's they're structurally not very sound, and and that's that's where they are. And I've talked to you guys about the fourth line. I, I saw it again last night with the Rangers guys. Their bottom six gave them nothing in the game. And if your stars don't aren't going and your bottom six are giving you nothing, it's it's tough to win. And, uh, you know, I just think structurally they're not set up very well. I mean, we've talked about it for five years now. I don't know when it hits home. Maybe Nick's column yesterday. My God, you become the new Steve Simmons in town. Oh, oh that name God. again. <laughs> You're the new Wayne Simmons in town, Kipper. <laughs> I want to be Wayne Simmons, not Steve Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> hey one more anyway so anyway finals anyway so going back to the the date the one of my <laughs> one of my scouts in florida goes into one of my scouts goes into when we're in the Stanley Cup finally goes in to get his check cash at a bank in dorval quebec and the... did sammy mute him i don't know but it was a really good time if it did <laughs> if you did <laughs> Look at like like I'm interested in his dating. Um, Let's like, be honest, you wanted to hear the story though. No, no, oh, I, I have no interest in his call back? dating story. <laughs> uh, yeah, get him back one I'll more time because I'm not. Uh, we're not done with him. Like I explained to everybody watching and listening, it's Friday. It's off the. Ra- he just drove it right into a ditch. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's a pretty safe bet with Doug. That's what are we what's giving out get roses there? on this show? I want to hear about his dates. Listen, I did. I did, and I think other people wanted to hear, too. Because with Doug, you just never know. All right, we got Sammy. has got to, seems to have him on the horn here. No, Doug's just not done. Negative yet. Yeah, Doug's decided he's done with us, Kipper. Uh, I wanted to uh, wanted to get into it uh, just one more time on just his perception of... Doug has returned. The, all right, you want to finish your dating story... Well, I, I told you uh, Ronnie Harrison and to get his check cash and this, the teller said, oh, I used to date your head coach uh, 25, 30 years ago. And Ronnie came out to tell me the story. I said, how'd she look? He said, uh, you made the right decision. I want to get serious for a second because the uh, I wanted to get your uh, thoughts on uh, be, as a president general manager and the challenges you have with public perception. And I know social media wasn't what it was, it, what it is today in, uh, in your day with the Columbus Blue Jackets. But what kind of challenges now do the Boston Bruins have by signing uh, Mitchell Miller to a contract? And uh, the scrutiny that they're taking right now is pretty heavy, Uh and in many ways, for sure, uh, it's justified. No questions. Nobody will ever argue with when you hear the things that uh, you've heard back in uh, his grade eight or at age 14. But what was it like for you back then with public perception, maybe compared to what the challenges are for the Boston Bruins? Well, it's a different time. And it's, it does, if, it, in those days, it, it was... It was still a horrific situation, and you always were worried about those types of things. And your fan base is, you know, a reflection of society, to be quite honest. And 
it's, you know, there's two ways to look at it. The kid was in grade eight and he did a horrific thing. I don't know whether he apologized or if he didn't apologize, but I sure as God hoped that he did apologize in every which way possible. There seems to be some reports that he did it on Instagram. But you know what? The the Bruins do this, and you think, okay, so a kid in grade 8 makes a horrific mistake. How long does he he pay for that mistake? I I mean, what are we – are we going to say that this guy, you know, is doomed for the rest of his life? I I, I agree it was horrific. I think it's terrible, but he was 14 or whatever he was, and – I just think that sometimes you have to give people second chances. And the Bruins, you know what? They're pretty thorough in the way they operate their business. I would hope that they'd certainly check this out. But it's a tough situation. And they will get harshly criticized for it. And, uh, you know, I, I I I just think that you can't label somebody for the rest of their life. You 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 bring any more dating stories to the real Kipper and Bourne show? You may not get a second chance no, on this keep show. Coming. Keep him keep him coming. Uh, Jay, Jason, you like the, the dating? Or <laughs> Justin, run you here like too. The there we go, shows. brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm it. Kidding. I'm kidding. By the way, Justin, whatever your name is, I got I have. To tell you, I I do enjoy your articles. You're you're a better writer than Kipper. <laughs> And, I, and there's more meat. There's more meat on the bone. I won't, I won't argue that for one second. <laughs> Thank All you. right, go back to your hot tub. Your pickleball. Your Del Bost. Bo, uh, what do they call Del it? Del Boca Vista. Yeah, go back to your resort. Your shuffleboard. <laughs> Take care, guys. Doug McLean. Thanks, Mac. That was by far the worst one we've had so far. <laughs> you know, at least you're able to just call. Call a spade a spade when you feel that way. And uh, and stand in a better spot. What was with his phone? Well, it's it almost like it wasn't bad service. It was so directly cutting out. It's the old earlobe mute once in a while. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like AirPods. I always blame everything on AirPods when you're talking on the phone. <laughs> you not, yeah, you Luddite. <laughs> you, you, you've been great. You're Sammy. But yeah. like, do not check first. Like, where are you? Are you in a dungeon right now? Can I tell you something right now? When I picked up the phone and talked to him, I was like, oh, my God, he sounds better than he's ever sounded. <laughs> yeah, because so usually I, he's like in So what am I supposed to say? South Move Dakota? Move to a place you sound worse? Listen, it's uh, when you're asking people to talk on the radio for free, you can't always guarantee they're in a good spot. <laughs> um, talk- we're not paying him? I don't, are you? <laughs> Maybe we'll give him some ha- Halloween candy. I got, <laughs> yeah, we got any Smarties Hanna- in my desk. <laughs> Anything left? So <laughs> Actually, no. The Boston Bruins lead the NHL in these following categories. Record, 10 and 1. Goals per game, 4.5. Goal differential, plus 21. Even strength goals, 39. Even strength differential, plus 15. Penalty kill, 94.4, uh, 94.9%. Road penalty kill, 100%. Record win scoring first, 8 and 0. Record wins leading after the <laughs> all first. Right, all, hey, right, hey, all right, all right, all right. It's like Tiger These Woods getting announced. <laughs> Longest win streak, 7. What about... Like, no Charlie McAvoy either. Yeah, it's their best, arguably their best player. No, that belongs to Lindholm now. What a mule this guy is. And I say that 
in the most complimentary way. You are one of the few people who can call someone a mule and it's a compliment, but I know it's true. Oh, my God. That guy just play forever. Horses. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He is. He is. And then, did you ice. see Pasternak's goal? Oh, the, the backhand? backhand? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he's the best player in the world. It's like the it's, super bad. He's the fastest wa- player in the world. I'm not even watching the backhand. I know it was at a, a horrific angle. Shesterkin. Don't care. Not, don't care. Like, all I saw was that uh, Jim Vesey. Yeah. Coming down on a back check. And Pasternak, he bounces off Pasternak like he's a bag of feathers. Yeah. All I know is you, if you put me on the ice with a bag of pucks and said, put a backhand under the crossbar from the face-off dot, I'd be out on that ice a long time trying to put it where he put it. Like, maybe I need 50 pucks. And I don't know what his numbers are against the Leafs, but all I can remember is him Would you scoring. like me to look them up? Yeah, just, just out of curiosity. They might not be as good as no, I think good. they are. No, they're good. Pasternak has 19 points in 11 games. Eight of those are goals. 19 points in how many games? 11. No, that's he's, he's, career this, against the Leafs? No, that's this, this year. No, that's this year. Oh, okay. He, no, no. In the league, just, he's third behind McDavid and Dreisaitl right now. I just mean against the Leafs. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, maybe I'm remembering mostly playoffs that he's always coming down the middle of the ice and scoring. Pasternak's playing the most on the Bruins. More than Marshawn per game. More than um, Bergeron, any of those guys. You know what's who's playing? He, what's he playing? Uh, he plays Average. 20 minutes a night. But you know who plays Is the most? PKing too? That's a good question. I'll look in, that up. In 20 games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Career he, regular season games. Yes. He has 15 goals in and 11 assists for 26 points in 20 games against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, that's Is that nasty. good? <laughs> yeah, that qualifies, yeah. Um, back to the ice time thing real quick. I just want to make the point that Lindholm plays over 24 minutes a night for the Bruins right now. So he is their mule. Yeah. Some would say. And... That that trade they made, I know it didn't pan, uh, pan last year in the playoffs, but that's one of those. Who even went the other way? Lindholm coming in and then signing. What did he get? Six? More. Says my gut. No. No? Maybe a little bit more. I don't Austin, think it's a whole eight, heck of a lot Eight-year, uh, $52 million contract with an annual average value of $6.5 million. Six, five. And yeah. the trade mm-hmm. was pretty. Not, not Thanks, Sammy, doing great. Work. Not not uh, not a crazy spend. The trade was a 2022 first round pick, a second round pick in 20. Oh, second round picks in 23-24. Euro uh, Vakaninen and John Moore. That's why I can't remember going anyone the uh, so anything a, going a, the other way. It was a, fir- a first and two seconds. Yeah, first yeah. and two twos. So that's a lot to pay, but he's a hell of a player. I mean, you you do it ten times a ten. Yeah, I know Kepper's about to say Nick Foligno's name. No, no. no. And Nick Foligno's <laughs> playing very well, by the way. Great. Like, Just this, great. This, I watched as well, and this, is, this isn't this is one line carrying them. Like, Coyle, Nick Foligno. Foligno has seven points in 11 games. Nick Foligno More goals looks, for the Bruins this year I guess, than the healthy. Leafs. He, 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 he must feel terrific right now because he's, he's, tw- he's... Playing 12 and a half minutes a game. Perfect. Yeah. He's not... The frontline guy that everybody envisioned when he left Columbus. Yeah. And unfortunately for Leaf fans, if they would have found a way, I shouldn't say this because he wasn't healthy in Toronto. He he appears healthy here. So regardless, but he's found his place right now. I mean, the amount of guys you mentioned depth, like DeBrusque is nine points in 10 games. Hull uh, Hull and DeBrusque teamed up 
for like a 150 foot rush. Beautiful goal, Beautiful or just goal. a rush. They got uh, Hall's got nine and eleven. Uh, Krejci's eight and eight. Zaka's seven and eleven. Coyle's seven and eleven. Felino's seven and eleven. Like they got go down the list. They're they're, they're due for a stinker. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I hope they're due, I mean, right? In theory. It's like in roulette when the ball comes up red over and over and over. It should be black eventually, but it's not guaranteed. It's just the same odds. Okay, we're going to go to break here. We got uh, Shane Malloy after the break. He's a hockey prospect guru. Want to get his thoughts on uh, if, if there are options here for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're not playing Nick Robertson. Can they move him? If so, for what? We'll get into that and more on Real Kipper and Bourne after the break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne back. We've dissected all week the Toronto Maple Leafs going into this big game. Mm-hmm. As good as time as any right now to bring your A game to the table because they've got the biggest challenge in quite some time this weekend. The Boston Bruins and the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. Both winners last night. Uh, Carolina over Tampa. That seemed like a pretty good game. I didn't I didn't watch it as closely as Boston, but... Uh, yeah. Carolina looks big and strong They're as fast well. Too. And fast. Just big, strong, and fast. Is that good? Really good. All right, <laughs> let's bring in Shane Malloy. Uh, this guy is uh, well known around the uh, the circles for uh, his, his scouting, his uh, prospect lists. Uh, he's got a book called The Art of Scouting. And I thought it may be a, a good time to bring him on because we have dissected. Uh, the issues with the Toronto Maple Leafs. But one thing that we haven't really done, Shane, and that's why you're on, is just talk about uh, just where they are as a as a as an organization. Um, and when we look at their roster, how much has it uh, got to do with drafting, developing, uh, asset management, all of that? So, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, you, you asked me to come on, and I looked at it, and I'm like, well, Justin's on the show, and he played for my hometown, Vernon Viper, so that was a plus. And hey. then, the clincher was uh, Frank the Tank. Anytime you're going to go <laughs> on a show with a guy with Frank the Tank, nice. I'm on board, right? So that's nice. my, my son. My son is like seven years old. He's about 40 pounds soaking wet, and he's Hank the Tank. So I'm like, Love this it. is my kind of show. So <laughs> as, as Leaf fans... Shane, as Leaf fans have been waiting for this team to kind of hit a switch, uh, one issue is... Uh, the the uh, the depth around them may not be um, as as great as maybe they led us to believe with with some of the changes that they've made. Um, but where are they as an organization in your eyes uh, the last few years when it's come to you know drafting, uh, holding on to assets or or letting assets go? Where, where's your all? Where's your overall scope of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the last few years and? Does it have a lot to do with maybe the lack of success to start this season? Well, certainly, you have to. If you're going to assess a team, particularly if a general manager and a staff haven't been there for a long time, 
you have to you know give a historical perspective of what they inherited and what happened prior to that. So if you look at the salary cap era from 06 to 15, that's a good sample size of 10 years. What may surprise people is that the Montreal uh, I was almost going to say Montreal Canadiens, the Toronto Maple Leafs were actually highly effective and really efficient mm-hmm. at drafting and developing players to get into the NHL to play 200-plus games. I use a 200-plus game model because based on behavioral economics, that's when general managers and my discussions with them and by watching when they make trades feel most comfortable with a player. They sort of hit that market, that marketplace. So that you hit that. And then you want to give them at least five years minimum before you start assessing a, a draft class or, you know, a series of draft class. So if you look at, you know, Toronto overall, you know, amongst their peer group in that 10 year period, they're the seventh most efficient team in the league of getting players to play 200 games. I'm not saying those players are good, great NHL players or elite NHL players. I'm just saying that they can play 200 plus games in NHL, which gives them the advantage of being an asset. Now, if you look over that history and look at the players that they drafted, you know, most of those players would be third and fourth liners, some second liners in there, some fourth to sixth defensemen. But that provides tremendous assets because you don't have to go into the marketplace and get those players. Anytime mm-hmm. you do that with a trade or with free agency, there's always a higher price tag to that. You're paying probably one and a half, two and a half, sometimes three times the cost to go and acquire just role players. So they did a, like an excellent job. And I give, you know, their scouting department, uh, Dave Morrison headed that scouting department up for that decade, a lot of credit. And I know most fans or maybe the general media in Toronto doesn't give them credit. I mean, they had one of the best drafts I've ever seen in my life in 2006. They had seven picks and six of them went on to play 200 or more games in the NHL. Six out of seven. Yeah. It's so almost unheard of. So uh, what happened after the 10 years? Well, what happens after this is, you know, if you take a look at, you know, the Kyle Dubas era, and it's only been, you know, really, you know, four or five drafts in that time frame, this is when they started ended up having to, they traded away first round picks or moved out of the first round and you're moving off those assets. And it makes it very difficult to have that push from below when you don't have players coming out of the first round. And the re- main reason for that is the probability of a player playing 200 plus games and being a quality player in the NHL beyond a certain point in the draft, like gentlemen, the number, the numbers drop dramatically. If you simply look at like a 30, 30 second pick overall in the draft, historically in the salary cap era, it's only a 52.73% chance of playing 200 games. You're almost coin flipping at that point. Mm-hmm. So when you start getting into those mid second round picks, you're getting into the mid thirties, you get into the third round. Like I, it's almost comical when you hear, People say, oh, that's a great fourth or fifth round pick. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like a fourth or fifth round pick may have a 13 or 14 or 15% chance of playing 200 games in NHL. And like within the fourth to seventh rounds, you only have, there's only 15 players on average in a draft year that'll play 200 games, 15 in four rounds. That's half a player per team. So that's where you really have to make hay up top. And when teams trade away their first round picks, I understand if they're in a window and they're going for it, I get why they do it, but it makes it really challenging. And I use the Vancouver Canucks as an example. They were so great, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, but they had no push below. When those older players got on up in age, then the bottom fell out of that box really quickly and they plummeted. 
And I don't see, other than really Matthew Nyes, um, you know, Rody Mamiroff, um, Nick Robertson, those are the main guys that you look at. Now, I'm not saying these other players couldn't play, like Ronnie Hervonen. Uh, there's an opportunity maybe in Topi Nimala, but you're looking at five years from now, maybe four years from now before they start hitting, a lot, hitting the lineup. Like It really is a five- to seven-year process for these prospects. And it really ties back to your article, Nick, in the Star, about you, you mentioned, I think it was the fourth or fifth uh, paragraph about time. And that's a management's greatest asset is time. And you have to be able to give your prospects time to develop. You can't push them in the lineup. Very few players are ready for that. So I don't – if the Montreal Canadiens want to upgrade their defense, and that's the biggest issue, Toronto, yeah. if, I'm another, if I'm another NHL team, the first person I'm asking for is Matthew Nice, is I want the yeah. power forward. Because yeah. they're so rare. They're so rare. They're so hard to find. They have greater value in scarcity. They got great value at getting him at 57. He had, I don't think he had any business of being there. He may be the only asset they could really move at this time. And I know they don't want to because he's such a, that's, a, that's a rare commodity, but they don't have enough in the system to make up for it. And I really think a lot of the internal pressure, although maybe unfairly, is going to be on their player development department and their American League coaches to get these players into the lineup as soon as they possibly can and help them upgrade just from like one position up. So maybe potentially you thought he was going to be a fourth line player. How do you get him to become a third line player? And from a six, number six defenseman to a number five, just those small increments are enough, but I'm like, I'm not, and I'm look, I'm like, I know Nikki, you're all about players and you're going to like back the players, especially the gritty hard players. For me, it's scouts. And, you know, I back them a hundred percent. It's the hardest job in the industry. Um, I have a bias. I accept it. It's okay. Um, but, you know, and it's a tough it's a tough job. And they catch a lot of the grief when things don't go their way. But it's a long, it's a long way from the time you draft a player to when you think he's going to be in the NHL and a lot of things can happen. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that, you know, the last four drafts for the Toronto Maple Leafs, there's enough assets in there for them to be able to either get a push from below or to be able to trade off assets to fill holes. We're talking to Shane Malloy, Hockey Prospect Radio on the NHL Network Radio. Shane, uh, you know, since Kyle Dubas has taken over the drafting for this team, one of the things that I think has made itself clear among his philosophies, uh, well, there's three things I would say. One is he doesn't draft goalies high. Another is that he will back up in the draft for more picks. And then another one is to, to draft smaller you know, that's one thing where it's like it feels in the past it was an inefficiency, something that he has sought out to exploit. How, What level of success, if any, has Dubas had with, with these strategies and how much value do those strategies have? Well, there is no real success yet. And I'm saying yet because we don't know. It's very difficult to judge a draft class until at least five years down the road unless somebody jumps in right away. And that, you know, adds value. So that is an unknown. And he's still playing out that part of his strategy. The other strategy about trading back into the second rounds, it better be high into the second rounds. Because on average, in say in the salary cap era, that 10-year period I, I discussed previously, on average, only 57 players play more than 200 games in NHL. That's it. Only 57. And another 18 will get a cup of coffee between 50 and 150 games. So if you're going to trade back and get multiple picks, 
it's really about getting them in, getting those second, maybe those thirds. And if you're going to dra- going to do that philosophy, then time has to be your greatest a- ally in that strategy. That means you're looking at European players and players that are going to go to the college route because they have a longer runway in terms of their development. And that what makes it easier, easier chance for them to make the NHL. The kids that come out of the CHL, they're thrown to the wolves in the American League early. And you guys know how tough that league is in terms of, you know, spitting out top prospects. It, it can be a meat grinder. So from that standpoint, like there are some aspects of his strategy that I understand. I don't always, I don't entirely agree with some of them. We look at the draft with Rodium Amirov. On my list, <clears throat> I had a preference of top three D-men above second-line projected forwards. I think Amirov is a second-line skilled forward and could be potentially a really good one. But you look at the two defensemen who went after that, <clears throat> Kate, look at Caden Gooley, you look at Braden Schneider out of New York Rangers. I had them higher on my list because I value top three D-men above second line because it's it's scarcity. How hard is it to find a top four oh, defenseman? Uh, how and good would those teams look right now in a Leaf uniform? Well, Schneider the other thing is... pasted someone last night. <laughs> Frederick, I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, the, it's also the style of play that they bring. They bring elements of attributes that, Nick, this is some of the things I laugh about when you have... Look, and I work in... I, I use analytics every day. I work for EA Sports. It's a tool. It's a valuable tool. But... It, it has like these people don't quite understand how to quantify the emotional and mental attributes that are necessary to play in the NHL. And when, and the funny thing is that they listen to people like you and Shane Churla and Brian McGratton and, you know, Brian Marshman guys who have worked in the game and worked as scouts, they'll, they, you, you guys leave us breadcrumbs to figure out how to quantify that. And look, it's been quantified. We've, it's been used in other industries and it's been quantified. It just has not been integrated into hockey, into scouting at a level that I think it can be. I think that's one of the brass rings that people haven't quite, maybe they have and they're being real quiet about it, uh, but it isn't something that I have heard behind the scenes that's very prominent. And it's, it's critical. You can have all the skill in the world. I've seen over the last 23 years, so many top end players at the junior level, college level, rip up tons of points but they do not have the mental and emotional attributes to make it in the nhl you know perseverance and you know resilience and you know situational awareness that's why i think it's the grittier tougher players that sometimes have better situational awareness when they're evaluating their teammates and prospects coming through their organization because they can almost pinpoint like, oh, I don't think this kid's going to make it because he doesn't have this, this, and this. Like, he needs to work on this, or he's just not going to be able to make it through. He won't be able to handle the stress. And that's why I thought, you know, that the comments you made in your article with the star, Nick, um, made a lot of sense in terms of when you're evaluating not just the skill set, but really what's more important in many cases is the mental and emotional attributes. Yeah, um, terrific stuff, Uh just one comment that I have, and, and it goes to uh, Justin talking about uh, Kyle backing up f- for picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've covered enough drafts on the floor for Sportsnet over the years, uh, and I don't know if people ever really truly get the intensity off of uh, a broadcast of those tables, Shane, 
and the battles of those scouts that you back up constantly and say a general manager and, you know, one that uh, I kind of remember is uh, Travis Konechny, who's obviously made a bigger name for himself around here (laughs) this past week. Could have been easily a Toronto Maple Leaf uh, because they had that pick and they chose to go down when some of the scouts were fighting for taking him. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that can make or break your organization right there. Oh, 100%. And, like, we broadcast from the floor right beside the tables, and we can hear it from the – like, we, sometimes I have to put my hand over my mic because the scouts are battling for certain players because you look at, you know, connecting his game and there are attributes about his game mentally and emotionally that you could identify in junior that this kid's going to play and he's going to be the type of player that we're going to want in our organization. And sometimes there's a danger to trading down. And just instead of having the philosophy where I prefer is go after the players that your scouts want. But prior to that, you got to make sure you punch holes in their arguments and make sure that they completely have this profile in place. Um, And that's why I like having the conversations I do on our radio show is those are the type of conversations we try to have with, you know, GMs, assistant GMs, directors of player personnel, directors of amateur scouting is because that's how you learn. And that's how I learned. The only I, I learned from old scouts, you know, Patty Janelle and Lauren Davies and, and got, and guys like that. Like, and that's what I, if, only my advice to any guys out there or girls out there who want to be analysts and they want to get into the analytics, first thing you do is learn how to scout. Go volunteer with a junior A team and learn how to scout by eyeball because one will make you better at the other. How do you understand context if you don't understand what's going on in the ice? And go sit with the scouts. Don't go sit with the media. Go sit with the other scouts and get them to help mentor you and help learn because uh, that's the only way you're going to figure out the game. Shane, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, and I'll uh, call on the show anytime when you have a Vernon Viper sitting right beside you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Shane for joining Malloy. us, Shane. Hockey Prospect Take Radio, care. NHL Network. I'm watching Seth Jarvis. You know how I feel about that one, too, eh? Yeah. That was the pick that uh, they had to get rid of. Yeah, for, for the Konechny one, they moved back for picks that they used on Dermot, which, credit, NHL player, and Bracco, neither of them no. are Travis Konechny. No. No. Not and- Konechny's. Ah, Konechny's. Nice things to Well, you'd take them. Ah, sure. That's I mean, that's such a three years ago argument, that Dermot one. No. Now, what do you feel like when Dermot no, was like, Because now it it's just being fleshed out to what these guys yeah. are in the league. The, but yeah. it, it, the, the type of depth that's missing is the they ones one, that force you to take a chance on Ubel and putting him on waivers today. They miss one aspect uh, of Konechny's game. And, like, I mean, they have tons of small guys that don't really score a ton. They just miss the toughness from Konechny. Sure do. And it's then, not like uh, people didn't know Konechny was... Our 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 Miyab, uh, his the the first pick that they Amarov, have yeah, Amarov. Amarov, yeah. I mean, that's just a bad. Bounce. Hopefully that turns out. Yeah. Hopefully he gets healthy. You know, but I, I watched a bit of that game last night. That Schneider, he they this Schneider is what they needed. Yeah, he spent a lot of time. Well, and you team. know, this is something that I I asked him about. You know, how has it worked for Kyle drafting small? Because that's been the thing is that teams pass on small guys. You miss the talented guy who shoots at the net, Caulfield, the Brinkett. These guys go on to score a billion times. You love to have them. I don't think it's really worked out. I'll be honest. I'm very open-minded to the best strategy to get the most good players in the draft, find the inefficiencies, but watching their drafts in recent years and being like, they got another 5'9 winger? Like, 
I, my, if, if you're 50-50 in the third round, can we take a chance to someone who won't turn out to be a guy you have? Well, that's <laughs> my number one thing. Every year the uh, Leafs do a draft, I think it's my annual tweet. I'm like, can we get a 6-4 guy from the dub? And like, you know, they, they did for years. Like, it's Keaton I don't Middleton. Care. Take, and a it's shot, take a shot of one again. And then, you know, take guys, another shot. Nah, you can't just, just because they're big. But if you're 50-50 on guys, let's... Give me a... Give me a Johnny Smith from Medicine Hat that hits and shoots. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Don. <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. Come on. But he's no good if you don't have the vision for it, though. He's useless to you. He was. Those. That's not what Kyle wanted. Well, they went and got Labushkin. I think they recognized they could use some of it. And they let him go. I got bad info, by the way. He was hurt. He wasn't a healthy scratch. Oh, oh, you're talking smack about our boy Boosh. I was devastated as you guys were to hear that he got the healthy scratch, and I was wrong. So he was he was actually hurt. That's great. That's great news. Validated. They feel so much better. <laughs> Anyways. All right, where do you want to go? We wanted some questions out of uh, Twitter or uh, YouTube. Yeah, I got one, one from, I got from it, the text line. Which, it's time, people. Text okay. us, please. Is, is, uh, Tweets. Is our Finland YouTube game chat. over? I don't know. I don't even have, I don't even have TV yes, in here, uh, No, it's still going on. Kale McCarr just scored his. Do you know how many goals he has this year? One. First, one. first yeah. of the year. He stinks. What a bum. <laughs> I'm watching curling highlights over that game. Anyways, okay. Uh, okay, and for the record, too, like he, uh, I watched the Finland thing out of the corner of my eye, and then I'm watching Arizona. I can't stand shadows. Oh, it's yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you watch Shadows, where are the TV, lights? You got one bank over the just, stands? Like, like light the, the car with the headlights. <laughs> light the rink. No kidding. Uh, that's a too many men on the ice. But is it a feel. European thing where they have like some darkness in the crowd? That's like part of I the don't vibe. Know. But even uh, Arizona too, it's just such a you can't watch it. Last night on TV. I watched, so I bet on Dallas to win by a couple goals last night. So I was watching some of that game. Dallas wins seven two. They're up four nothing after the first period, and the at intermission the like reporter for the team is like trying to justify the 14 game road trip they're going on oh a 13 God. game road trip he's like it's not actually 13 games he's like they go here and then they come home for two days and then they go they're actually <laughs> home four separate times i was just like oh oh my god it's so, so tough to I watch guess, i guess you know chick rins for sale there might be a few others for sale every rink could have two three dozen scouts at a game this is the Jacob Chikrin sale tour? It, quite possibly. Is but he going to play on his tour? rink has a ton of scouts go to the games. What is your point? There's nowhere for the scouts. Oh, to in Arizona? Sit in Arizona. <laughs> so they put them in the seats no, they behind don't. the net. And when the crowd stands up, no. they don't see anything <laughs> from the hash marks in. Lost. Oh, my God. That's yes. incredible. And <laughs> it's driving them bananas. That is unbelievable. Teams are spending a lot of money traveling them to get there, and they can't watch the game <laughs> from the hash marks in because once everybody Anytime starts it's standing exciting, up, they don't get they're to done. Watch. They're oh. done. Honestly, this is the NHL's outdoor life moment of today. It's like just getting through this, like, don't let the other leagues see. Like, I just feel like, did the other leagues know we're like this? Don't let us. It's, it's at Milhouse's dad, the meme. It's like, to, I don't want people to know I live like this. It's just oh, like, they don't know, even like, have. They don't even have. It wasn't Milhouse's dad. It was they, Carl or Lenny, one of the other. That's right. They that's tell me right. They, don't, they don't have a place for the media. There's no media room. 
Can you imagine, like, only in the NHL could uh, this happen, but they, they... Good thing media guys never whine about anything, so you're fine. Say they found themselves into a Final Four. Well, that's the where, thing. Where the NHL where, where? knows they can't be good. They're like, here's a terrible schedule. You got to trade some guys. Like, we need you to suck, because what if you're good? We're going to get what exposed. What if they sneak into the playoffs and go on a run? What if they get Connor Bedard and he's ready next year in the first three years of his NHL career in front of 4,500 people? Talk about rigging drafts. Would the NHL allow the next Sidney Crosby to spend three seasons in front of a college crowd with a fork at center ice and they can't play at home on Saturday nights because it's not their rink? So they're sell- Other they than sell? that, things are going great. They, they sell like four, uh, 400 seats to college kids for 25 bucks for a 25 seat. Bucks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But watch, watch when, it's, when, when they're in exams. They're not going. <laughs> so didn't you write in your thing, though, that there's some arrangement, like someone's paying someone somehow to... I, my understanding that is up. that the Players Association obviously is concerned about HRR, right? Yeah. Uh, but so... The league saying we got the, the difference. The, uh, um, the league said we got to come up with a, a formula where they're not, they're not judged like uh, every other team. So I think there is some mechanisms in an arrangement that would minimize uh, the potential for losses. Congrats on being in the AHL and a half to their players. What a what an awkward situation. So as one of our texter points out, uh, the man who is leading the best junior hockey league in the world in scoring is a Toronto Maple Leafs pick, Ty Voigt. Is that so? That's so. He is also 5'9", 150 I feel pounds. like it's like a toy boat. Like, can you say Ty Voigt Ty five Voigt. times fast? Ty Voigt. Ty Voigt. Uh, so Ty Voigt. Uh, is, there, is there any chance he could be in the lineup by March? Hopefully. <laughs> he's uh, through 14 games. He's got six goals and 24 assists for 30 points and a minus four rating. Does he play left wing like Mitch? He's just like a left wing disher only? Pretty nice. Pretty nice numbers. Good start Mitch for him. Not... Probably be on the, uh, is he Canadian? Probably be on the junior team. That's great. Well, that's great news. That is wonderful news. I just wanted to add that to uh, Shane's assessment there. Okay. This is a good question here because we've been talking about the Sabres. And this is an absurd question, but I just want to see Nick's response. Is it Tage Lemieux? Hey, boys. I have a straightforward question for you. Oh, boy. Top to bottom, what roster would you rather have right now, the Leafs or the Sabres? Bruce from Panatanguishin. Oh, it's the Leafs by miles. Miles. Um... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's not so easy for me. I just look. You guys are just blinded by a hot start. We do not agree. This, this is the question: Would you rather have Marner or Matthews, mm-hmm. or yes. the Buffalo Sabers? That's what the question is. Yeah, it is. It really is. No, it's not. Okay, and no. who else? Who else? Well, William Nylander and John Tavares and Morgan Riley. So if you're starting, a, okay, a, I'll take Owen Power and uh, over. Um, I'll take Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin over Morgan and Willie. Uh, Dahlin and Power. So you took their two best players yes. over their no, no, fourth no. and fifth two, best player? Two, Good call. Two, two best defensemen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So if you're doing a player draft and you have the two teams. And it's I'm the, with you on that. Would you they, trade, have the, would, they have the two best players. Would, would you trade Willie for combined. Owen Power right now straight up? Well, of course I would. Heartbeat. Okay, then, then what are you telling me then? Well, you're telling me you would trade the guy who just went first overall for the Leafs' no, fourth I'm best player. No, I'm telling you, outside of Marner and Matthews, yeah. I don't want anybody on the Toronto Maple Leafs. You don't want Michael Bunting? You don't want David And Camp? you're telling me you did. Uh, yeah, I, I think okay. that the let's, Leafs have a Stanley Cup contender. Let's do this exercise. Okay, if they're if you're doing the draft, yeah, 
and then you have the Leafs and the Sabres, and they have all their players from both of their teams in a pool. Yes. And you're going one by one. This. Yes. Austin Matthews probably going first. Marner probably going second. Then go who goes next? Oh, Darlene. Darlene or, or Power. Yeah. And then the fourth is probably the next Pat. one it's of probably think, Power. Uh, you know, so, and, then you, power, go, and I, then you probably I, go Willie or Tate. Or, I may have the next Headman. Good point. It's a good point. It's a good point. I think to me, I'm taking the question as if I get this whole roster or this whole roster. Yeah. Do I believe I can win a Stanley Cup with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the next two years? Because I think the Bru- the the Sabers have better long term future, but I don't think they're close. So, so I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. To I don't want to offend all my friends I can't, in I can't Orchard disagree Park. with that, but so you, drops, your pick is that the Leafs are not going to win the cup, and they're going drops to dem- dramatically for me once you get past Matthews and Marner. It drops for sure, but I mean we're not talking about. Rasmus Asplund here, or whoever else is on the Sabres. I don't know. You want Lawrence Pilot? Pilot? No. Kyle Clay, Kyle Clegg, Casey no. Fitzgerald. You know, like he. We don't know. Levi's a year or two away, three years away. That's the goalie. Yeah. Yeah. Who's considered maybe the top goalie prospect outside of yeah pro hockey? I would say who right now has a better chance to win a cup in the next five years. Army, please. I'm sorry. Is Matthews here or <laughs> is he left? <laughs> I almost, I almost swore. I almost told you that. You got to just. Hey, he's he's under off. contract for two more years, not five. I'm here all day, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that, Sammy? <laughs> I forgot about that, Kip. <laughs> God damn it. Okay. <laughs> Future king. Um, that was an interesting question. It's, it's a much better one than I had hoped it would be uh, doing a leaf show. But listen, I'm taking for the record, and I don't want to offend my friends in Orchard Park and at Lenovo Wings and Pizza. Oh, offend them. It's fine. I'm 100% taking the Leafs, but it's a lot closer than it was a year and a half ago. Three weeks ago. Yeah. If you'd ask the same question. Okay, yeah. well... We didn't know Tage I mean, Thompson was Lemieux. You're yeah, right. We didn't know that Tage development is, Lemieux. Yeah, that's true. Tage is on fire. Cousins, Tuck, like, you know, but what have they got in guys like Middlestad or Paterka or Jack Quinn? We don't know yet. Olaf, you, know. So you gotta wait. Yeah. Olafson has the best goal song in the league. Gimme, gimme, gimme a man after midnight. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they do, little... they do personalized goal songs there. Anyways, I'll stop singing. I don't want to hear that any more than I want to hear Doug McClain's dates <laughs> like 40 this, years ago. This is a straight-up question which we didn't why does Keith keep taking Robertson out of the lineup how I'm is gonna he, answer that how is he supposed to properly develop? I'm gonna answer that let me have it he doesn't like him as a person or a player cares about a person he's a coach yeah he's a player of course it's a player okay I mean well you know sometimes I'll tell you I've worked with Sheldon sometimes really? you're like that guy's an a-hole I don't you know get him out of here really well if you're 50 50 on a guy you like and a guy you don't that. like I could hate a teammate, like, I hate no one else. Yeah. If that guy can help me win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Sure, but if there's a guy in your coach's office every day who's like, why don't you play me more, why don't you, and they're a suck and they whatever, and you got a roster decision to make, it's real easy to say. Can hey, not- he help me win tonight? Yeah, you're, a lot of times it's like, yeah, both guys can I do certain things. I don't think Sheldon likes Nick play. Robertson's play. Yeah, I, I do want to go over every shift from last game or that he played and see if I'm missing something. I think he finds him uh one dimensional. Yes. And once upon a time, 
I scored 62 goals in junior hockey. That's so many. And then you go to the American Hockey League, and it becomes 24. Yeah. And then you go to the <laughs> NHL, and it becomes eight. Yeah. And they say, it's, what else are you doing? And is he – does Sheldon look at Nick Robertson right now and go, your junior stuff ain't flying here? Sheldon is a great example. What Sheldon have in, the, in juniors? Sheldon was one of the best players in the OHL, was he not? I mean, you'd know better than me, yes, Kipper. Yes, he was. He the- was a top uh, – him and uh, – Mike Jefferson, now Mike Danton. Yeah, like he was a great player, and then he went to the NHL and played uh, competitively, feisty, and didn't score. In 2000, in the... Jesus. (laughs) No, he was unreal. Big numbers. In in 66 games in 99-2000 with the Barry Colts, he had 48 goals, 73 assists, 121 points. And in 25 playoff games, he had 25 points. Yeah, like he's he was a player player, and so he experienced that as a smaller guy. It gets harder to what else do you do, and Sheldon was hyper-competitive as a player, and played a certain way that made him have value and blew his knee out. What would you say? So, <laughs> But you so do, for Robertson, yeah. if you're not creating, you're not scoring, you know, Robertson, Jason Robertson, his brother, is a bigger version of him and probably got some opportunity earlier because he was bigger and could be more useful while he was waiting to score. Robertson, it feels like if he's not shooting in the net, and we knew we'd get here. You know, what do you do when you're not scoring? Obviously, he's not doing enough for Sheldon's liking. That was, uh, yeah, they, so he's experienced it. It's firsthand for him to understand that you can have success in junior. And I, there's so many of them that I remember, 50 and 60 goal scorers well, who could this- not get a cup of coffee in the NHL. Wasn't it the Red Wings who we talked about yesterday, their fourth line there? Wasn't like... Draper, Malpe, and... Yeah, wasn't... Weren't those guys like superstars in junior? Like, I I think uh, Draper anyway was a huge point getter. No, no. Draper came through... uh, He didn't do the junior. He did uh, actually uh, the... uh, Hockey Canada program. Oh, did he? I yeah. just know, you know, there's a lot of guys. McCarty was a top pick. Guys who go on to have success at the bottom of rosters in the NHL who make adjustments. It's Cogliano. Look at him playing a fourth Kurt line Mulpey, role. Uh, he, sco- he scored 50 for my beloved Owen Sound Platers in 91 92. Scored 50. Yeah. Yeah. And he's Kirk Maltby in the NHL. He's yeah. a, you know. Honorable mention to Ryan Barnes as well, who uh, was part of that big line, I think, in yeah. Barry. They went to the Memorial Cup. Yep. You know, this is. You have to be able to, to do something else if the goals don't go in like they did when you were in junior. Uh, one last question here, quickly. Uh, this is, are Kipper and Bourne going to pay Twitter $8 a month to keep their verification? <laughs> Not a sniff. <laughs> Kipper, I'm paying the 8 bucks. I want that blue what check mark. What does do besides piss people yeah. off who don't have one? 100%. Bingo. It's the thing. That's so why I want it. I want that. I want to well, be part of the Well, what's funny is, is they're actually See? stripping the verification part, so now you could pay and be verified as yes. a New York Times it's, reporter if you wanted to pretend to be one. It's all about Mercedes-Benz, like, logo. Yeah, okay, right? okay. That's all you care about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, don't you drive a Benz? <laughs> That's besides the point, okay? <laughs> I'd never tell you to, to say that. You're just a logo guy. Uh, no, it's, I mean, the most ridiculous thing right now, they're talking about the yeah, paying for a blue check that doesn't provide verification and just makes you look like an a-hole who pays for... Didn't he, didn't he uh, slash thousands of jobs, too? Yeah, he's fired, like, everyone who's for yeah. human people. Maybe they, could just get rid, maybe they could just get rid of Twitter. Probably better for everybody. Scram beat it. I would have more free time. <laughs> Definitely. I would feel better about myself.
I've got no problem with that. Everybody <laughs> gets rid of it. Yeah. I'll get rid of Let's it. Let's all too. agree to throw our phones in the ocean. <laughs> River. <laughs> River. <laughs> Let's go back to tying uh, a string between two cans. Imagine if we got here on Monday to do the show and we we're like, so? What'd you guys think of the game? Like, by the time we arrive, I know what you guys thought of every moment. I don't even think I'd remember you if, 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 uh, if we couldn't hey, communicate during yeah, the game. I'm the guy who was with you last predictions. week. Were you the guy I worked with on Friday? Yeah, Doug McLean's other guy. Predictions, predictions, predictions. Justin, whatever your name is. Uh, I got the Leafs in overtime Saturday night. And Sunday? Uh, I got them losing uh, a close one to Carolina. 0-2, both hard-fought games. Oh, man, 2-0. 0-2? 2-0 for the Leafs. And that'll be okay for you? No. We're coming in here pumped about how they look. Leafs talk on. both nights. Uh, Sportsnet wow. Now, YouTube, with me and J.D. Bunkus. What a fast week we just had. Terrific job, everybody. Derek Brandale, great job on tech, buddy. Jen, Frank the Tank, thank you so much for a great week. J.B. always. Sammy McKee, Doug McLean today, Shane Malloy, all terrific job. Enjoy the weekend, everybody.